today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Things have changed uh, here in the province of Ontario between May and now, uh, not just with the healthcare situation, but uh, with business, with inflation. There's a whole lot going on here right now. Uh, so should the government pivot and maybe be flexible and maybe uh, make some additions and some some different focus on, on different aspects of what's going on right now? Uh, I say yes, and I think a lot of other people agree with the same situation. Uh, and there are some people that are helpful here to try to say, look, at, uh, you know, Ontario government, let's let's work together on these uh, number of initiatives. And and because we, as the premier himself has said, uh, you know, we've got to work as a, as, as, a, as a unit here to try to bring the province out of this. Well, the Ontario Chamber of Commerce has been a leader in this over the last number of years, of course, in trying to work with governments, especially the Ontario provincial government, uh, to try to put us on the right path to prosperity for each and every one of us. And uh, to that end, they have come up with a uh, blueprint to bolster Ontario's prosperity. Uh, which is a fascinating document uh, that, uh, well, they think, I, I assume, is going to serve as a roadmap uh, for the Ontario government going forward. Daniel Safieni is the Vice President of Policy for the Ontario Chamber of Commerce. Joins us here on the Bill Kelly Show to talk about this. Uh, Daniel, pleasure to have you back on the program. Thanks for the time today. Bill, thanks so much for uh, having me on. It's great to be chatting with you. Well, interesting reading. Uh, I, last night, I, I went through all 90-odd pages of this, and, and uh, as always, you guys are very thorough. I mean, you've got individual letters here, just about each minister, I guess, in, in the Ford government right now, specifically talking about their portfolio and some of the things that, that you're suggesting could be addressed uh, to improve that. And, and it's not just health care, and it's not just business, it's agriculture and, and so many other elements of this, labor, uh, because they're all basically, as you've told us in the past, they're all tied together, aren't they? Absolutely. Uh, as we know, uh, all these sectors are uh, very much so interconnected and uh, important facets of Ontario's all-around economy, and that's what has contributed to our prosperity in the past. And so, you know, Bill, as you've done a very great job of outlining at the top here, uh, what we've put together is. Uh, letters for each new incoming minister uh, that outlines what our priority is uh, in that area, whether that be infrastructure or health or finance, energy. Um, there, uh, there's a letter that outlines what we think are the should be the top asks in in that space and. Um, obviously, we don't expect uh, uh, all of your listeners to go through. Uh, all 92 of those pages, uh, but um, you know there are some re-emerging themes that uh, um, that are threaded throughout this, of course, and those you know really hit the mark on what we think are um, you know some of the most pressing priorities at the doorsteps of government decision makers right now, namely um, uh, healthcare and uh, and the workforce uh, spaces. Well, exactly. And, and you know, having gone through these last night, uh, there's nothing outlandish here, really, Daniel. It, it's not as if the government say, well, where did that come from? That's a ridiculous idea. These are really uh, suggestions based on, on what you've heard, what I've heard, and, and I think what the government has heard, too, over the last four years about what they can do to try to improve situations here. I mean, there is an argument for agriculture, and there's certainly an argument for business these days. And, and I know when we hear the speech from the throne today, we're probably going to hear the government uh, boasting a little bit about the, you know, the, the fact that they've attracted an awful lot of auto investment. And that's a good story. It's a great story. Uh, but, it, it, you know, the, don't put the toolkit away. You're not done yet. Uh, there's a lot of other things that can be done, maybe not as grand as that, uh, but very, very important to make sure that there's a, a solid base 
uh, for the economic growth that we're hoping is going to come. Absolutely. Look, uh, both things can be true, right? We can uh, celebrate certain achievements that the the government and the province uh, has championed uh, and has succeeded in securing. Um, but we can also point to other areas where there perhaps has been uh, an absence of action or areas in which uh, we think uh, the government needs to double down um, efforts on. And uh, I think you know, there's a few examples of that that are uh, painfully obvious uh, when you look around. Um, and, you know, hopefully we'll see um, a little bit of updated thinking on this um, in the budget that gets reintroduced. Um, as you also mentioned, Bill, you know, that when this budget was introduced, it was uh, end of April. Um, it feels like a long time ago. And part of the reason is that a lot has actually changed uh, since then. Uh, the economic environment has changed. Um, the tightness in the labor market um, has, has, uh, has continued to tighten. Um, and actually just recently as well, um, we've seen new data on business bankruptcies and insolvencies that have shot up uh, fairly dramatic 31% uh, compared to the same time a year earlier. And so we're what we're seeing kind of within um, the broader business context is, you know, access to capital for businesses that are still grappling with debt incurred from the pandemic. Um, um, that is now uh, rearing its ugly head in, in the way of increased business insolvencies and bankruptcies because a number of the government programs that were working during the pandemic to help these businesses stay afloat have now leveled off. And so that plus rising inflation, global turmoil, supply chain disruptions um, has created uh, a situation for a lot of businesses in which um, they're actually being forced to close their doors. And so the, the context here has changed. And so we're we're hoping to see some updated thinking in the budget as that reflects the, the reality on the ground, whether that is uh, within the business community or in the healthcare sector. Well, and that's, I'm glad you brought that up because that's something that's very troubling. And frankly, it's, it's, it's right in front of our eyes. You know, during the shutdowns, uh, you, we talked about uh, you know, are, are some of these businesses actually going to be able to reopen? Well, some of them didn't. Some of them never did. And, and I'm talking small businesses here, okay? You know, some of them mom and pop, but I mean, you know, just local businesses. Uh, some of them did reopen, uh, but now I'm seeing a, 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 an increasing number, just as you've alluded to, that are shutting down because they just can't make it. And they've tried to open the doors. Uh, the business may or may not be there, but they're having staffing problems. A lot of them are anyway. Uh, and so even if the business is doing well in other words people are coming through the door they can't service them effectively so there's a concern about that and and i think the government's got to rethink some of these things here and, and i know i've talked uh, with rocco rossi of course the president of the ontario chamber about things like debt forgiveness and i that's not outlandish really because governments do do that they usually do it with larger corporations uh but they may have to do that on a short-term basis to try to keep some of these people in business for the, the short term anyway and and i think what you've been asking, what the chamber's been asking for the last little while, is let's at least have that discussion. Don't simply dismiss that and say, no, we can't do that. It may be an option or a variation on that may be an option. So just like open your, your ears and eyes and say, okay, maybe we have to do something different here. And, and I think that's what a lot of these recommendations are, are moving toward. 
absolutely. These are discussions that need to be had. And if, if you think about it, it is in the province's long-term economic interests because, um, you know, right now you're seeing the number of active businesses across the country uh, essentially uh, stalling from January to April and the formation of new businesses actually falling from March to April as interest rates uh, began to rise. So, you know, what that means is if we're looking for a, a robust and inclusive economic recovery, um, that's going to largely depend on an environment in which business creation and growth uh, can thrive um, in Ontario and throughout Canada. Um, however, if we are seeing the creation of new businesses continue to level off and decline because of rising interest rates and a tight labor market um, and an all-around environment that is not necessarily conducive to, to starting a business, that's going to impact our growth trajectory going forward, our ability to service our debt in a rising interest rate environment, and our all-around trajectory in terms of uh, economic recovery going forward. So, you know, we are not having these conversations at our own peril when it comes to uh, the trajectory of the province and economic growth. Well, I know that, as we mentioned, they're going to talk an awful lot about infrastructure growth uh, with the, the speech from the throne today and a lot of the stuff we heard during the campaign. Uh, Hamilton, of course, they want to get going on the LRT project. They've got a number of transportation projects in Ottawa and Toronto uh, and other areas as well. Uh, <laughs> Those are very costly, and, and there's a lot of other things they want to do, including the two highway projects that we talked about a little bit earlier. Uh, but the big problem that they're going to run into uh, is, is there's a shortage of skilled trades right now, there, and that already exists. I mean, ask anybody that's trying to get some home renovations or something done around their place. You know, the, the carpenter, the electrician, whatever it is that they need, is something to say, I'll get to you when I can, okay? Uh, because they're up to their eyeballs at work right now because, they, you know, they, there just aren't enough people in skilled trades that, are, that can accommodate this. Well, that's going to get magnified exponentially when we start doing some of these mega projects. So that goes back to your idea about about, you know, putting a, a rush on, on immigration acceptance with people with those sorts of trades. Uh, I know that they've, you know, put money into some of the community college programs, and that's great, and uh, and, and they're going to benefit from that. But that's a year or two years down the road. You can't just sign up and then start working all of a sudden. I mean, you've got to be trained in these sorts of things. So, again, it's it, there are solutions to a lot of the problems here, and I think that's one of the things I was really impressed with with, uh, with this document is that you're offering solutions. You're not just saying, here's the problem. What are you going to do about it? Uh, you're saying, let's try this. Let's do this. Maybe we could try this. I mean, there's uh, um, there's only so far being a professional nag can take you unless you also <laughs> offer up some viable uh, policy solutions uh, and recommendations. And, you know, that's uh, uh, I, I appreciate you taking the time to, to go through the document, Bill, and uh, I will share your kind words with the rest of the team um, and the folks in policy and public affairs that helped put this together. But ultimately, this is uh, our raison d'etre, right? We need to uh, look for evidence-based and thoughtful solutions um, that reflect the interests of our members, uh, quite an eclectic group of members, I should say, uh, that range from the the smallest businesses in in, in Ontario to the largest, um, with the aim of uh, informing government direction and decisions. And uh, if we can't actually put pen to paper on what that looks like, then we're not doing our job. But one one thing that I do want to pick up on that you mentioned here, um, which is is critical to underscore, um, 
we we keep talking about okay, there's shortages in these sectors. You know, the tourism can't hire enough right now. Marriott hotels trying to hire one thousand folks across the country. They can't they can't find the people to do it. Um, this is disrupting services. This is disrupting the cost of goods. It's disrupting um, cash flows for businesses that can't um, staff up to the ability to meet the demand of uh, consumers. However, what you're also touching on is a lot of these other big issues um, can't necessarily be solved until the workforce dilemma is addressed in some way or form. Um, you mentioned the uh, some of the massive infrastructure projects that this government is looking to take on. Um, that that's going to require. Uh, uh, um, a massive workforce to be able to do that. And it's not clear right now that the construction sector has the capacity to take that on. Same thing with housing. Housing has become a pervasive issue well beyond uh, just the GTA. Uh, we're hearing this from our members uh, and local chambers and boards of trade throughout Ontario. And this is going to need the attention of policymakers and all orders of government. However, even with the best intentions there, you still need a workforce that's able to actually build the homes. And again, with the labor market as tight as it is and the construction sector um, as as uh, oversubscribed to projects, basically, as they already are, it's not clear that we actually even have the labor force um, to pull off a robust housing strategy, uh, even if we're able to do away with some of kind of the the regulatory issues and the procedural issues that are stumbling blocks at the local level for uh, to, to increase the supply of housing. I, I, we're short on time here, but there's one thing I wanted to focus on here that may surprise some people, but I was really glad that you included that, and that's agriculture. And I know some people may say, well, wait a second, we're talking business here, right? They're, they're not, not farming. It's the same thing. Uh, for, for, first of all, farmers are running a business. Uh, let's be clear about that. I was troubled. I, I just used the example. I was talking to Mike Schreiner from the Green Party a couple of minutes ago and said, you know, I was coming down from, from we were up at Blue Mountain over the weekend, going coming back down on Highway 10 and about some of the stuff there. But you know what else I saw that I thought very troubling on the drive down on Sunday? A lot of har farms are for sale right now. And that's troubling because you address one of the key issues here, the demand for local food. Uh, we all have to eat. And it's getting more and more difficult to do that. But, you know, we're worried about the higher prices in grocery stores these days. Part of that is transportation costs. You know, we don't have to wait for tomatoes from Mexico. We can grow them here if we invest in this. And at the same time, we have to help those farm businesses uh, modernize with e-commerce and things of this nature. And that's going to take some government assistance, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we actually had a report on this not too long ago uh, as well that uh, I encourage folks to, to check out. Um, I mean, the current estimate is that something like 123,000 agricultural jobs are going to go unfilled in Canada uh, by the end of this decade, by the end of 2029. Um, and the Ontario actually accounts for the majority of the sector's uh, labor gap. And so um, there's both an existing uh, issue uh, that needs to be solved for, and then there's a more longer term uh, issue in which not enough folks are getting are coming into this sector. And uh, Bill, to your point, um, the ripple effect on this is that uh, it, it, it does have an impact on our food security. If uh, our food supply chains can't uh, resource the amount of human capital they need uh, to farm the lands, 
um, or that there's not enough folks uh, going into the industry. And, and you know, it's actually uh, not a very well understood industry in terms of the amount of technology that is used. And so, you know, we do suggest things like uh, implementing a campaign that educates youth about uh, the agri-food industry, the, the high skilled tech driven careers that are available within the sector. Um, and at the same time, um, financial aid for uh, farmers looking to uh, expand their uh, operations or uh, folks looking to get into the sector. It is a very capital intensive sector up front. Capital, as we know now, is more expensive than it's been in recent years with rising interest rates. Um, so this is likely a problem that unless it gets specific attention from policymakers, uh, it actually risks uh, worsening over the coming years. I, I'm not thinking that a lot of people are going to read all the documents as we talked about at the beginning of our conversation. Uh, but if you are in business, it's, it's worth a read, at least for your sector anyway, to talk about some of these suggestions. Uh, because uh, notwithstanding what we're going to hear this afternoon in the speech from the throne, uh, the government's going to have to be flexible about this and start listening. And, and, and I, I'm getting the sense that maybe they're in the, in the mindset to be able to do that right now. And this, I, I think, is, is an excellent framework to open some of those discussions on some key factors here. Uh, we can't just sit back, I guess, uh, and that's the takeaway here, Daniel, and, and hope that things are going to get better in the passage of time. Uh, there's going to have to be some movement here to move us in that direction, and, and the government can do that as long as it works with people like the Ontario Chamber. So uh, thank you for the document. I, I think it's a fabulous footprint for us to, and a, a starting point for us to start moving forward on a lot of these things. And by the way, some of the stuff you talk about here, the government's already talked about it. They may include some of that going forward with some of these pieces of legislation. Uh, but as always, uh, it's all about partnerships to try to get everything moving. And the Ontario Chamber uh, has been right at the front of the pack with that. And thank you for the time today, too. It's always a pleasure having you on the program, Daniel. Bill, thanks so much for uh, having me on. It's always a pleasure chatting with you as well. And if I could just very quickly say one thing, yeah. which is sure. the last two years have underscored the intrinsic linkage between the health of our economy and our the resiliency of our healthcare system. Um, and so uh, uh, I know we are the business association, but, you know, can't underscore enough the importance of both uh, dealing with the immediate term issues that we are seeing in our emergency rooms that are having a ripple effect on the workforce um, and in businesses as well, as well as the longer term, more systematic level reforms that are needed, modernization in the healthcare system, um, more on the digital health front. Um, uh, so, you know, we, we've just learned this over the last couple of years, along with a bunch of other lessons from the pandemic. It's incumbent on us, uh, both in the private and public sector, to uh, keep those lessons top of mind going forward, um, because what we're actually experiencing right now um, is a reduction of healthcare capacity and vulnerability of the system, perhaps more exposed than it has ever been. And that is concerning. That is concerning to us in the business community as well. And to everybody, and it should be as well. Thanks again, Daniel. Stay well. We'll talk again soon. Thanks so much, Bill. I appreciate it. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.